Thanks to Clear for supporting Industry Focus. Clear uses your eyes and fingertips instead of traditional ID documents to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. Get your first two months of Clear for free by going to clearme.com slash fool2019 and using the promo code fool2019. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, May 10th, and this is going to be an ad-focused show. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Dan Sparks with me on Skype. Dan, what's going on? Nothing much. Good to good to do this. Yeah, it's been a little bit since we've had you on the show. You pinged me earlier in the week and said, you know, a lot of companies I follow in the digital advertising space reporting earnings. And you know, when we talk about digital advertising, it's easy to focus on Google and Facebook. Those two have that duopoly. Everybody talks about it. The reality, though, is there are a lot of small players there that don't get enough press. We're going to try to cover some of them on today's show. Yep, sounds good. And uh, of course, they all conveniently reported at the same time, pretty much so. It's nice when that works out. You get fresh results from a whole bunch of people in the same space. Um, The first company we're going to talk about needs very little introduction. I think a lot of fools know it. I believe uh, it's a rule breaker recommendation, and that's Roku. And this is the digital streaming platform. It's kind of an everything streaming company where they have the hardware, they have the software. They basically make it easy for you to stream the stuff that you want to watch. Yeah, Roku. Uh, so they definitely made headlines this week. Their stock just soaring, um, I think, 20 plus percent yesterday or so. Uh, this morning it was up again a little bit. Not sure if that's still the case with all the uh, you know talk of trade going on. Which really moves things around, but yeah, really made some big headlines. Uh, we saw revenue growth accelerate during the quarter, uh, came in rising fifty one percent year over year, uh, and th- of course that's driven by the platform revenue uh, primarily, and platform revenue increased. Uh, that was seventy nine percent year over year. Also a slight acceleration, and what's interesting here too is management specifically. Uh, you know, said like, hey, there's seasonality in Q1, um, so we can't expect this huge fourth quarter that, that we just had again in uh, the first quarter, and then here they are uh, reporting some more massive growth, of course, which flows down to big increase in gross profit dollars because there's high margins on that platform revenue. Uh, so to see that again, it just really validates what they're doing. And, you know, up against these big companies, uh, like you know, Amazon uh, in particular is a great example. Uh, up against these companies, we were wondering how is Roku gonna live up to uh, these platforms from much more well-capitalized uh, large tech stocks, and here we are uh, seeing them do a great job. Yeah, I remember doing uh, a prospectus show on Roku right before they went public with one of your good friends, Evan New, and we were talking about the business and looking at the revenue composition, where we thought this company was going. And at the mm-hmm. time, I think hardware made up more than half of their sales. And we were looking out and saying, well, that's not going to stick. You know, That's not going to be the business right. that really makes them money long term. They're going to have to figure out how to make platform revenue. And they've found a pretty compelling offering. I think it's about two-thirds of the pie now. So, that part of the business has totally overtaken hardware in terms of contribution to sales. 
And it's a really exciting business because it's high margin, like you were talking about. And really, what drives all of that is they can get targeted and pretty dynamic when it comes to advertising, Daniel. Yes, yeah. So the platform revenue really is the story here. And, you know, like you said, advertising is a big part of it, uh, which, of course, you know, that'll tie into the Trade Desk and Tolaria when we talk about those companies in a bit. Uh, because one of the reasons advertising on their platform works so well is because Roku is not a publisher. You know, you have Amazon making their own, investing billions of dollars into their content. Uh, you have Hulu investing billions of dollars into their content. But then these advertisers, um, you know, there's kind of a conflict of interest because uh, when they come to compete on the, to uh, put advertisers on advertisements on platforms like that. Uh, there's, you know, Hulu and there's uh, Amazon taking care of their mothership, you know, their content, which they really want to make sure that uh, that's uh, the big story on their platforms. Uh, but then you have Roku, uh, who's not a content producer and just an open platform. Uh, so that's one of the reasons their platform businesses work so well. But of course, in this platform business is uh, also subscription and transactional revenue. So um, having that open platform and really just an open mind to taking revenue from uh, transactions on video, which is you know kind of like purchasing or renting uh, a movie, having like 48 hours of access to it, or uh, subscriptions or ads. Uh, by just really being open to it, you know, unlike Netflix, which is closed off to transactions and uh, ads and only focused on subscription, uh, that really brings in, it makes Roku really the uh, platform of choice. And that's what we've kind of seen. At first, it wasn't, we weren't sure how much that uh, objectivity and that openness was going to work. But, you know, now we're seeing accelerating growth in the amount that users are streaming content on the platform. And uh, it's just really playing out and looking like uh, Roku could dominate uh, for the foreseeable future as the platform of choice. Yeah, some other big numbers to paint a picture of how successful this business has been being platform agnostic and just basically saying, we'll help you put anything you want on your TV. Active accounts mm -hmm. up 40% to just under 30 million, streaming hours up 74% to just under 9 billion. People seem to love the platform. I actually bought one for my mom back uh, Christmas last year, partially so I could get my hands on it and kind of see, you know, what things looked like, but also because she needed uh, some streaming device to be able to watch uh, my Netflix account. And she seems pretty happy with it. And while the hardware sales are not the focus, while the licensing that comes in from them doing um, smart TV collaborations and being the operating system, not the focus. All of that feeds the ecosystem, and so it's nice that they are able to make some money. You know, seeing just under twenty percent year-over-year player growth is great, but big picture, it's just building out the audience for everything they're doing on the platform side. Yeah, and just calling out that growth in streaming hours is just incredible, seventy-four percent year-over-year. Um, and then you just look back the first quarter of. 2018, that was 5.1 billion hours were streamed, and now we're at 8.9 billion hours. It's just uh, enormous and really a testament to uh, the way this is catching on. But yeah, so back to the kind of the theme of this podcast advertising here. Um, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I really like Roku. And it's what, uh, when you listen between, you know, 
between the lines and the earnings calls and the press releases. Uh, there's a lot of excitement from the CEO on the uh, advertising supported model there and really the potential. Uh, I think it's easy for us to kind of get caught up in subscriptions because we have uh, Apple News, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Apple uh, TV uh, Plus, is that what they're calling it? I think so, Apple yeah. TV Plus, <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming out soon, which is purely subscription model. Uh, we have Netflix. Um, and then, so when you see things like that, it's easy to get excited about that. But um, the CEO is just super bullish on uh, how advertising can grow. Uh, just one metric to throw at you, um, the uh, ad inventory uh, available on uh, Roku's platform uh, more than doubled over over the uh, uh, year over year during the quarter. Uh, so, you know, you see that, I'm sorry, it's ad impressions, not ad inventory. Uh, so that's, it's just some enormous growth there. Uh, and then just Looking at connected TV video ads in particular, if you think about it, I mean, that's an advertiser's dream for you just to be sitting there uh, watching television on the big screen in your living room, and then this advertisement comes on. You know, that's that's really the cream of the crop for advertising. Uh, so that's one thing that I think uh, investors should keep an eye on. Uh, and then, you know, the Roku CEO, he did call out that is a big growth opportunity in 2019 in the shareholder as well, uh, said he expects that momentum to continue. And it's clear that the company sees more success down the road. They reiterated their guidance that they were going to clear a billion dollars in revenue in 2019. A lot of people very excited about that. You keyed up the fact that shares are up, I think, 28% since the report. These are new highs that the stock is hitting. Daniel, you go back over the past 12 months for the stock. There are two different periods where you could have bought and been up over 100%. And it seems like once this company gets near that nine to ten billion dollar valuation, it comes back down to earth a little bit. And I think there's probably some people looking at the stock after this report and saying, "Is this one of those times where we're going to see it slide back down, or can it sustain this valuation? Can it sustain this enthusiasm? What do you think?" You know, that's one of the things I like about investing is you don't always have to have an opinion. <laughs> um, so I'll put that one in my too hard pile, um, but you know I really love the company. If I did own it, I probably wouldn't be selling uh, because the execution here is just phenomenal, and it looks like you know the ecosystem effect is only improving, uh, and their competitive advantage, in my opinion, is only improving because obviously you know Apple's they're going to want on Roku, um, Amazon needs their platform on. Roku, Netflix needs it on Roku. And then uh, here is Roku collecting a share of uh, the subscriptions on the platform. And uh, I don't see that changing anytime. Yeah, you hear that figure 29 million people uh, on the platform. That is a big enough mass for them to really kind of throw some weight around in the market and be a major player. I look at them over the past 12 months, and you kind of have to remind yourself, you know, they've only been publicly traded for so long, more than a year, but still only so long. Um, we're still really getting some of our first looks at what this business could become. And I think that's probably why we're seeing a lot of the volatility that we have with the stock. Um, maybe just a case in point for when you like a stock and it hasn't been publicly traded that long, buy in bits. You know, you don't need to take a huge yep. bite, you can kind of nibble over time. Right. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we are talking connected TV and video advertising. Why don't we talk about another company that plays on that trend, Daniel, the Trade Desk? 
All right, yeah, the trade desk. So uh, been a huge performer for The Motley Fool. So that's been really exciting, I think, for all the people uh, who have followed The Fool's recommendations. Uh, so, so that's been nice. Of course, the stock did take a hit uh, after earnings, but you know, let's put that into perspective. Even after that hit, the stock is up 270% in the past 12 months, 60% year to date. Uh, so just huge performance here. And the underlying growth really supports that. Uh, you know, revenue was up 41% year over year during the quarter. Uh, earnings per share uh, came in at 21, just up up a penny. Uh, but that is, you know, as they're really investing in this massive growth opportunity that doesn't seem uh, to be coming down at all. Uh, but, you know, just to get a little better look at how continuing operations are performing, it, you look at the non-GAAP earnings per share, 49 cents compared to 34 cents in the year ago quarter. Uh, adjusted EBITDA, $25 million up from $19 million. Uh, so just some big numbers here. And um, you look at this company, and what's really the theme here is connected TV. Uh, connected TV is, is a, a major driver for the trade desk. Uh, connected TV spend on the trade desk platform up more than 3x compared to the year ago quarter. Um, and then I think the last earnings call it was uh, Q4, the CEO said that he that this has become material now. Uh, it's not you know some small thing. It's it's having a major impact on the trade desk business. And then of course uh, there's just omni-channel growth across the board um, that's really strong. So mobile, in-app, mobile video, ad spend both up 60% year over year. Um, audio up 270% year over year. Uh, so just a lot of success, huge growth. Um, yeah, so that's kind of breakdown of earnings there. A little bit of a different story with that market reaction. Like you said, though, I think the stock is down about 10% mm-hmm. since reporting. And I look at everything in this report. So they came mm-hmm. in above expectations. They raised their full-year guidance. This seems like a pretty strong earnings report, Daniel. Yeah, you know, and it, so what it was, um, you look at, uh, I think, uh, one of their guidance metrics, maybe it was Q2 revenue, um, was about in line. And I think uh, also for the full year, it was about in line. But, um, you know, analysts also have been getting excited uh, because the expectations for the full year that they had going into the second quarter were well above the trade desk first quarter, uh, the they were well ahead of the full year outlook the trade desk provided in its fourth quarter earnings report. So analysts are getting excited and getting used to the trade desk just constantly beating and raising. Um, they're, they're doing it every quarter like clockwork. And you know eventually analysts are, are gonna get ahead of themselves. And it looks like that was the case here. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what I saw happen in the uh, stock price there. Yeah, I suppose when shares are up over 250% over the past year, when there's a little bit of a hiccup, when the, when the brakes just get slightly tapped, maybe, uh, or maybe the foot just comes off the accelerator just a little bit, um, some people yeah. will take that opportunity to sell some shares, lock in some gains, some pretty considerable gains at that. Exactly. And, you know, it, there's always needs to be some room for a breather because uh, if it just goes straight up forever, the valuation is just going to really get insane and we're going to see a lot bigger dips than 10% if that happened. Uh, so, 
Yeah, uh, really interesting. But yeah, so the, one of the things the trade desk, um, back to the, our advertising theme, uh, one of the things that makes it stand out is its value proposition as kind of an independent, uh, in, in the ad tech world, uh, companies like the trade desk refer to Facebook and Google as walled gardens. Uh, and, you know, the trade desk is outside of that walled garden. They don't have this, you know, protected data. They're, they're an independent solution that goes to advertisers, brands, and gives them an opportunity uh, to advertise anywhere, not just within a platform of protected data. Uh, so, so that's kind of the theme here. Uh, and that works especially well in connected TV because, you know, looking ahead, uh, the trade desk thinks that it's going to be a really fragmented market, connected TV. And so far that's proving to be true. It's, there's just uh, connected TV services coming from all over the place. Uh, so this independent approach is really well. Uh, so I think, you know, going back to their valuation that they kind of do deserve a market leader valuation, even though they're much smaller than Google and Facebook because they're an independent player and they're the largest uh, in that regard, uh, offering solutions for advertisers and brands. All right, Daniel, we've got one more ad company to discuss. And this, I would say, is truly an under-the-radar name. We're going to get to that discussion in a minute. Before we do, though, thanks to Clear for supporting Industry Focus. Clear uses your eyes and fingertips instead of traditional ID documents to get you through security faster at airports and stadiums. You are your ID. Clear replaces the need for physical ID cards using your eyes and fingertips to get you through security because you're the best ID out there. Signing up for Clear is easy. You just create an account online before going to the airport. Once you get to the airport, a Clear ambassador helps you finish the process. Then you can immediately use Clear. And Clear offers family plans. If you're traveling with your family, you can add up to three adult family members at a discounted rate. Also, kids under 18 are free. Right now, listeners of this show can get their first two months of Clear Free by going to clearme.com slash fool2019 and using the promo code fool2019. That's C-L-E-A-R-M-E dot com slash fool2019 with the promo code fool2019 for your free two months of Clear. Okay, one last ad play to talk about, and that is Talaria. Uh, Daniel, listeners probably don't know this one, and I have to admit, this was not a company that I was familiar with until you put it on my radar for this show. Yeah, uh, just a quick overview. So, Talaria, in ad tech, there's companies that serve the demand side, which is the trade desk. Uh, so, that means they're helping ad agencies, helping brands. Uh, and then there's those who serve the supply side and uh, sometimes called the sell side. And so they're helping publishers. Uh, so Talaria used to have a demand and a supply uh, platform. But you know it, it's kind of like working with a broker. Uh, you want them to represent you in any transaction. Uh, you know, real estate is a good example. So Talaria said, hey, we want to only represent the sell side. Uh, just so we can kind of like the trade desk. Uh, it's one of the reasons they've been so successful. They they really vouch for that uh, buy side. But anyway, so they sold off their demand side platform in 2017. 
refocused their business, actually rebranded in the process, changed the name of their company, um, also their ticker symbol, I believe. Uh, so they went from being called Trimmer Video to Telaria. So that happened in late 2017. And uh, the, the company believes that by doing this, they can you know, give the publishers a better, I mean, they believe they're focusing on what where they can build a moat. Uh, so I think it was a great decision uh, just by giving them a better competitive advantage. And in doing so, they also doubled down on connected TV. So Telaria is basically a video management platform for publishers, which means they just offer the whole gamut of solutions for uh, publishers to be able to put their ad up for sale programmatically, uh, which is basically through software and directly, uh, and make the most money as they possibly can in this evolving uh, technological environment. We talked about how we were going to be talking about smaller tech players, smaller ad tech players, mm -hmm. and you know Roku and the Trade Desk. We're talking about you know eight nine billion dollar companies. Talaria, yeah. we're talking about a three hundred and fifty million dollar business. So totally different scale here, and I think that's that's probably reflective of the fact that they are hyper focused in what they're looking at, and they're a little bit in their early days. Yes, they they definitely are uh, much smaller. But uh, what's interesting is even though uh, they're smaller, they do have some huge clients. Uh, they're working with five of the seven uh, top virtual um, MVPDs, which uh, MVP. MVPD stands for multi-channel video uh, programming distributor. So uh, that's a huge that vouches for their success there. Uh, and then Hulu is a, a major client with, for for them. Uh, so with Hulu, they operate and sell uh, their video ad inventory programmatically. Uh, they provide a private marketplace where they uh, help Hulu control. Uh, the ads that they're offering. And of course, the Trade Desk is buying ads in that private marketplace. Uh, so that kind of vouches for uh, their, you know, how well they're doing with big clients so far. Uh, but of course, you have a very small company, only 55 million in revenue in 2018, uh, but growing at a faster rate. And they're just reported uh, first quarter revenue growth accelerated. Uh, they reported 41% year over year growth in revenue. Uh, I think that was up from about 30% or so revenue growth uh, in the prior quarter. So definitely a promising company here. The thing that really got me excited looking at them after you sent me the name and I started doing my digging is, you look at their full year results for 2018, 55 million in revenue, 48 million in gross profit. This is a very yeah. high margin business that they're in. And yes, right now they're losing money because they are spending when it comes to sales and marketing, their GNA, um, some of their tech and development costs. But over time, you have to imagine that that scales to a pretty profitable business. Yeah. And, you know, not to say that they're going to be, you know, the next trade desk. Uh, but just as an interesting note, their financial statements do look similar to the trade desk in its early days. Uh, so, and just something to, to think here, I mean, for investors to consider too, when they go to look up their financial statements, you're going to want to go to the 10K because since they sold off that demand side platform, there's an adjusted view in retrospect of the supply side only uh, on their 10K. So investors can really look at how the supply side platform has developed. And 
Um, also, since they only sold off the demand side in late 2017, even those years prior, you can say that the growth could have been better because they didn't really have this good value proposition. Uh, but yeah, the growth is is uh, staggering on those adjusted financial statements. Re- I'll just read out the revenue here for 2015, 16, 17, and 18. So we got 9.6 million, 29 million, 44 million, 55 million, and then now we got accelerating growth uh, this quarter compared to the year ago quarter. Uh, and then just one last uh, interesting stat. Uh, so connected TV on the platform, and this time it's not ad spend on the platform, it's actual revenue they're getting from their, from the connected TV. Uh, so that's a little bit different way they classify it compared to the trade desk. But uh, so first quarter connected TV revenue up 169% year over year, accounting for 38% of revenue up from 30, 33% of revenue in Q4. Uh, so yeah, definitely something something to watch here. Big growth there, and it seems like the type of company that could really blossom into a larger valuation at some point down the road. We talk about it being so small now. What do you see as the hurdle in their way? Uh, you know, because anytime you're working with smaller companies, the the set of things that can go wrong are a little bit different. Yeah, so I, I think that uh, in ad tech, there's a lot of middlemen. Uh, there's a lot of brokers. Uh, so that's it's something that we're still seeing develop. How's that going to uh, play out? Are people going to want to eliminate certain uh, s- certain of these brokers in the middle or not? Um, you know, Telaria seems really confident about their niche focus on a video uh, and really offering a full solution, and their clients seem to be happy with it so far. Uh, but that's something that we should watch and. Uh, make sure that they're just providing immense value um, and actually helping publishers make more money. Yeah. Well, there you have it, listeners. Those are three ad companies, ways to play digital ad spend that are not named Alphabet or Facebook. Daniel, thanks for hopping on and sharing those names with me. Anything fun going on this weekend for you? Um, well, just Mother's Day. Just got. I really got to focus on that. And make sure I get it right. <laughs> is that so, is that for your mom or for your wife or both? It's both. Both. They're always a concern. I'm a procrastinator with that stuff. So. Well, it's early because we're taping at eleven, but it's only nine o'clock over there. So you have an extra two hours to figure this thing out. I'm even further behind True. the eight ball than you, as it turns out, right. because of the East Coast time zone. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, I better figure it out. <laughs> yeah, well, good luck. Uh, our, our man behind the glass, Austin Morgan, do you have any meat-smoking plans over the weekend? I know that you have been slowly honing your skills. Yeah, I mean, so far, I've had some pretty good success, but the weather looks pretty terrible this weekend, so looks like it's going to rain from tomorrow at noon to Monday morning. So, so you're a fair-weather we'll smoker. Oh, yeah, I don't want to stand out in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> Um, listeners, of course, if you want to see the results of some of Austin's meat smokes, you can check him out on Twitter. We try to retweet them from the at MF Industry Focus handle, but you can go follow him as well, too. Of course, if you want to get in touch with us, you can also email us over at industryfocus at fool.com. If you have any tips for Austin when it comes to smoking meats, any recipes he should try out, feel free to shoot them over to us. If you want more of our stuff, you can subscribe over on iTunes or you can catch the videos from the podcast over on YouTube. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin for all his work behind the glass. For Dan Sparks, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!